Welcome to SaaS Unscripted, a podcast by Noble Recruitment. I'm your host, Nick van Eten, and in this podcast, we will take a look behind the scenes of the SaaS world. Join us on a growth journey through stories, challenges, and achievements of the people driving this industry forward. Get ready for SaaS Unscripted. Welcome to the show, Martijn. Uh, we kn- we've known each other for several years now, and I'm very excited to have you on uh, on this show. Uh, you have uh, you have an incredible journey in the in the SaaS industry, from SDR up to CRO, and now even entrepreneur in the SaaS industry. So I'm very excited for this uh, for the show today. Cool, me too. Hey, uh, before we dive into your uh, yeah your story now, uh, yeah. Tell you, can you tell us more about your youth? How, uh, how did you grow up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in uh, Friesland. And for the people that don't know what uh, Friesland is, it's a, a tiny province of the Netherlands. Um, I'm not sure how many people live there, but I think it's probably like 200,000 people or something. Um, I grew up in two very small villages. Um, one of them is probably like 500 people. The other one is probably like 5,000 people. So um, yeah, relatively quiet, easygoing life, I guess. Um, I grew up uh, only with my mom. So my parents divorced even before I was born. Um, so um, yeah, I grew up with my mom as a single child. So um, yeah, not not a typical youth, I guess, but um, it was very easygoing. And um, yeah, around uh, 18, I decided I've always had this passion for uh, entrepreneurship and, and you know, bigger cities. I was always traveling to like the, the bigger cities around where I was living. So when I was 18, I decided to make the leap and, and move to Amsterdam already and live by myself. But yeah, before that, it was uh, yeah relatively quiet upbringing. Interesting. So basically as a single kid, whether a single mom, yeah. what were uh, pivotal moments uh, during that time that you yeah, decided to yeah, to work in sales. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> um, when I was a, um, I guess a teen, uh, I already quite quickly started working actually. So I think I was 13 when I started with my first like paper route. Um, so I remember like uh, bringing around like these commercial folders door to door. And uh, together with my mom, we would like pick up like <clears throat> 10 batches of folders. And then we all had to like fold them into like one package. And then I would bring them through the door. So um, yeah, it sta- I started working already relatively early on. After that, um, I've al- also uh, worked as a dishwasher in a Mexican restaurant, for instance. One of the jobs that I actually really, really enjoyed because it was a lot of hard work. And I just put like the music on and it was just four hours of hard work. And then afterwards, um, you know, you would sit at the bar, have some Mexican food and have a beer. And But uh, yeah, what kind of leads me there is at some point when um, I was a student, um, there were, so in the place where I was born, you have a lot of like uh, contact centers and call centers. And they're always looking for like young people to start working there. And I thought, okay, I'm not sure I'm good at it, but uh, you know, let's give it a try. And um, yeah, I just started working in sales there basically. So selling like uh, energy subscriptions, uh, SIM cards, uh, lottery tickets, things like that. And one of the things that I really remember from that is that it would be like a, a software system that would make the calls for you. So it would be like an auto dialer. And um, you would call somebody, cold call, you know, you would do your pitch and either they would buy or not buy, they would hang up the phone. And then it was five, four, three, two, one, and then the next call. And, and you know, that for like four hours straight. Um, so um, yeah, that's, that's I think where I really got into sales because um, even there, there was like a culture which I really enjoyed with like a lot of young people, outgoing people, um, you know, it was all around performance. It was all around like celebrating successes. I remember that if you would hit your target within three hours, you would get the last hour off basically. So very performance driven and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So that was my first real sales experience, I guess. Um, and, and yeah, that also kind of led me to my first like professional sales job, so to say. Lovely to hear that. So basically you have a great story that you started to work very early. Was it 14? Yeah. So the typical, the paper round, uh, dishwasher, <laughs> yeah. uh, working even in the factory, 
And uh, how old were you when you worked in the call center? Um, I think I started doing that uh, probably towards the end of high school. So probably like um, 16, 17, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We always look for the best salespeople and we see the call center experience is usually a very good uh, yeah, starting point for any sales career. But you ticked all the boxes before you started in sales, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was kind of a traditional route, but it, it's funny because, um, you know, when I actually transitioned into like a, um, a, a sales role, which was at Meltwater, which you can talk a lot more about later as well. But yeah. I also made all the basic mistakes at Meltwater. So I thought, okay, this is really the same job that I did at the call center. So I'd make a lot of cold calls and just pitch, 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 pitch but nothing really converted to a client. So okay. I actually had to learn to, you know, ask really good questions, uh, build rapport with your prospect and things like that. So I wasn't afraid to pick up the phone and make a lot of calls and have high like output and high activity, but I definitely had to like learn a lot about like business to business sales, I guess. And uh, can you tell me about the time uh, when you moved into that call center? Yeah, what from that experience do you still use or what of those learnings do you still yeah. use today yeah yeah interesting question <clears throat> i think um i think it's just the the hard work or something you know the 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 desire to work and and just work hard for something that you really want um I think too, maybe, you know, I'm also not afraid to do the dirty work. I actually enjoy doing the dirty work. So my last job before I started Frank, I was the CRO of a 35 million ARR company. Uh, but I would still occasionally just clean up CRM or, you know, build target account lists and things like that, because that's also still something that I enjoy. And I enjoy it again now that I'm trying to set up my own business where I have to do exactly those same, same things again that, you know, a BDR nowadays does or an account executive does. And I really enjoy that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily mind or actually maybe even like just doing the dirty work. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think those are, you know, two things that that I yeah definitely take along with me. And maybe the third thing is <clears throat> really that, um, I guess that passion for sales, but also um, what sales can bring to your own personal development and to your life. Because I truly believe that if you're able to sell things, um, you know, it's, it, 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 even if you're an HR person or a product person, you also need to sell, you know, you need to sell your ideas, you need to sell your thoughts, you need to convince other people. Um, so I think those sales skills, yeah, I've just brought along as well with me, not only in like professional life, but, um, also in internal meetings or, um, in, in personal situations sometimes as well. So yeah, I guess those three things. Have you ever considered something else than sales? <laughs> Um, yeah, sometimes, and I, I guess everybody recognizes this, but, um, you know, sometimes, or maybe a lot of times you have lows in sales as well. You know, you have a couple of quarters where it doesn't work out or, you know, there's this one deal that's not happening or, you know, it's just not a lot of like positive things happening. And then you start thinking, okay, should I potentially consider a career switch or something? You know, it always kind of maybe creeps up in your mind. And then I'm thinking, yeah, what, what would give me, you know, the same energy as sales does? And I can't really think of anything, to be honest. I mean, if it was anything, then, you know, maybe I would, which is really closely tied, obviously, to sales, you know, maybe like customer success or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I've just always really enjoyed sales. And, you know, when you start thinking those thoughts, you also realize, okay, you know, this is just a shitty period that I'm in. I need to work hard to kind of get out of this because I really enjoy sales and, you know, the successes that come with it. And, uh, you know, just focus on the basics again and make sure that I get out of this slump, basically. You had it basically very clear at, at the early stage of your life mm -hmm. that sales was a good match with, yeah, basically your personality, you as a person. How did you go into SaaS sales then? Yeah. Like software sales? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because <clears throat> I just graduated. I think I was 22 and um, I'm not sure if they have these today, but um, at pu um, public transport stations, they would distribute like Metro and Spitz, like yeah. these free newspapers. And um, I was always reading them because, you know, I was traveling with public transport as you do as a student. And then uh, right around my graduation, I saw like an advert in there and it said like international management traineeship. 
And I thought like, okay, ideally I maybe want to travel for a little bit because I hadn't traveled that much. I think I went to Turkey once with like an, an, a, a girlfriend that I had at the time, but I think that's that was all the traveling that I've ever did. So I thought, okay, let me just travel a little bit while I'm, you know, still 22. But then I saw that advert and I thought, okay, international sounds interesting. Management sounds interesting. Traineeship sounds interesting. Let me just apply for that role. It was the only application that I actually did. And um, um, I, I think I got a call like either the same day or the next day. And I think they were quite far already in their recruiting process. And uh, they said, okay, can you come by for an interview tomorrow in Amsterdam? And I was still living in, in Friesland in the nor northern part of the Netherlands. And I thought, okay, you know, why not? And then they said, yeah, the interview will be at the Amstel Hotel. And I thought, okay, wow, this is uh, interesting. Why are you picking one of the most expensive hotels in Amsterdam to do this interview? And I walked in and there were like 20 or 30 other candidates there as well. And I thought, okay, interesting setting. And basically how they approached it was like a, um, a group interview setting. So you had to do all these kind of mini presentations and things like that. And then from that group interview of 30 people, they would pick like, I don't know, six, seven or eight people for a second day interview, which was really a panel interview. Um, so I think that day went quite okay because I got invited for the second day. And then the second day you see all these, you know, people in suits, uh, they're all looking good, nice clothes on and things like that. And, you know, you just graduated without zero professional experience and they interview you. So it was a panel of five people in the Amstel Hotel. <laughs> and I thought, okay, uh, interesting. And um, yeah, did that interview. And then I think like the next day they offered me a job. So within three days, um, yeah, I basically went from application to a job offer. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And I thought, okay, let's just give it a try and see where it leads to. I loved Amsterdam already because, you know, I visited Amsterdam many times before. And I thought, okay, interesting, you know, let's move to Amsterdam and, and let's see where it leads to. If it doesn't work out, I can always go, you know, either back home or go travel and things like that. Um, and that's basically how I started working at Meltwater. And yeah, at the time, I, I think only maybe after like three years, I realized that Meltwater is a SaaS company. I didn't even know what SaaS was, basically. I don't think you had a lot of SaaS companies either in Amsterdam or not that I was aware of. Um, and, you know, we were just selling a product that people could access online, you know, where they could just put in their username and their password and they get access to like a tool. Uh, but I didn't know it was SaaS or anything like that. So, yeah, that's that's basically how I, how I got into SaaS. You started working in SaaS before it was cool, uh, Martijn? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was cool. Um, maybe there were a lot of SaaS companies already, but I, I just didn't realize it. Yeah, I was 22 at the time. I've never I've never heard of business-to-business -business software even, you know, and let alone like software as a service. So, yeah, I, I just thought it was a cool product. The company had a lot of success. Um, you know, it was an interesting career trajectory and... Um, yeah, uh, you know, more of the mindset. I wouldn't say it was impulsive, but it was kind of impulsive, I guess. Just made the decision, okay, you know, let's give it a try. Let's move to Amsterdam and, you know, let's find a place to live and let, let's start this job and see where it leads to. Yeah, cool. And uh, yeah, we all know where it led to. But uh, looking back now with uh, years of hiring manager experience, why do you think uh, you were hired back then? Um, yeah, I think it kind of um, uh, has to do with the previous experience that we talked about. Um, I think they saw that I, you know, for somebody that's 22, I would say that probably 90% of the people that they were interviewing didn't necessarily have any sales experience. That was also their strategy. They were looking for really good, talented, smart people. Uh, but uh, sales experience was not necessarily a requirement. Um, but I think it was a benefit for me. It was a plus for me. Um, yeah, I think they saw somebody that was young and, and eager and driven. And um, yeah, that was trying to sell himself, maybe not in the right way, but at least that th they saw that. And I remember the hiring manager that hired me at the time uh, at some point said like, he's kind of like a diamond in the rough. Like he's not great yet, but there's a lot of potential there. And we just need to shave like the the the, the edges off basically. So, and I, I think that was true actually. So um, yeah, I think they just saw that. So you did not even know that you were applying for a proper sales job then? N not, not really. No, not really. I think I've only realized basically maybe in the second interview, and and maybe only even, you know, when I started working there. 
where you know it was like a you know a, a sales director coming from the UK with a sales manager coming from the UK setting up the office here and you know we're going through sales training and that's where you realize okay this is actually going to be a sales role which is fine because you know I had that experience already uh, but I can imagine that maybe for a lot of people that didn't necessarily expect that um, they yeah. It, it was more more of a challenge to kind of maybe accept that mm -hmm. and you know it was also not like a a um how do i say it is like a a chill sales role where there was a lot of like business development going on marketing going on you know uh, really like a traineeship where you you know get experience in different departments and things like that no it was really like okay you need to build a pipeline. This is your target this month. Next month, you have an even higher target. And in month three, your target is going to be even higher. And this is what you need to do to get there, which basically involved a lot of cold calling. So yeah, that was, um, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I didn't mind that I actually liked it, but yeah, like I said, I think for a lot of other people, maybe it was a little bit, and I think they really learned from that as well, but it was, uh, yeah, maybe not always what they expected. It's interesting that you say that because you did not know where it was going to happen basically. There are a lot of people that are graduating uh, that want to go into a, like a commercial role into tech usually. Yeah. Um, wh why should people that were, yeah, like let's say the young Martijn Terpstra after graduation, why should people join SaaS sales as the first step of their career? Yeah, um, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things. I think if you're, um, if you're very commercially minded, and you know you like growing businesses and contributing to that in probably the most direct way um, and really making an impact basically if that's important to you then i think it's it's really interesting let's face it i think you know money is a part of it as well where i think you know salespeople, especially now i mean you'd be surprised what my salary was when I joined Meltwater, which is probably half of what a BDR salary is nowadays. What it, what was it? <laughs> I think it was, um, if I remember correctly, I think it was 24K per year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, I mean, nowadays, and you know, you know the salaries as well, obviously, uh, you know, even for, for really entry-level positions, I think you can all already get like a really good salary which is kind of, you know, the base that you live off. But then if you perform really well as well, you can, you know, at least get half on top of it, sometimes even double on top of it if you're an entry-level sales position. And that becomes uh, only even more and more when you get promoted to like, you know, an AE or an enterprise account executive or things like that. So, yeah, I think if, if money, I wouldn't say drives you, but if that's important to you or you value that, then I think it's a really interesting position as well. And I think three, it's also career growth. I, I don't think there's probably many other functions within like a SaaS organization specifically, or maybe even any organization where you can, if you do well and you indicate that you want to make next steps and your ambitions, where you can, you know, make next steps really, really quickly. I mean, I've seen many people go from like, especially at Meltwater, but also at other companies, grow from like, <clears throat> you know, being 22 or 23, just starting in a company entry-level position to being like a team lead managing like four or five people after one year to growing to a director role or a VP role like three, yeah. four, five years down the line. Like, yeah, this can, can you, really kickstart your career. Basically. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, can you expect the same in like a product team or in like a marketing role? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I think because sales is so apparent when it comes to performance that if your performance is really well, I think companies are more inclined to give you a promotion as well because... Yeah, it's so clear if you're doing well or if you're not doing well. While in other roles, that might be different. Hey, so we know uh, now the early stage of your career. We know even yeah what got you started into the SaaS sales uh, industry. Uh, uh, from that time, after Meltwater, what were like the highlights of your career? What, what what are the achievements that you are really proud of? Yeah, I mean, um, at at, uh, at Insided, for instance, you know, um, Insided was really like a uh, a company that only had Dutch customers, and I think the challenge was like, okay, how can we scale this internationally and you know go into different markets? Um, you know, initially I did that within the European market, so um, you know, really helped Insided skill into other countries basically and i think by the end of two years i think instead of only being in the netherlands we had customers in like 12 or 15 different countries 
So that was a really exciting time. I think I was flying like once or twice every week to all, all kind of countries, basically doing uh, sales presentations there. And occasionally, you know, Wouter, the, the, the CTO, the co-founder would join me as well. So that was a lot of fun. Um, after that, we, uh, or inside it, raised a Series A. We used part of that money to, uh, to also set up an office in New York. So I moved to New York to try to do the same thing there. Yeah, that was a fantastic experience, of course, as well. It was always one of my ambitions to to also try to sell in America because, yeah, if you look at like sales, you feel like the Champions League is enterprise sales, but then also maybe enterprise sales in America. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't a very exciting thing to do. Um, um, and, yeah, then and, you know, at some point I decided to move on from inside it. But um, I think looking at inside it, I think... It was just really what you kind of expect of a startup, of an early stage startup. I think I joined when they were like one or one and a half million ARR. Only, you know, maybe a handful of customers in the Netherlands. And then, you know, together with the rest of the team, we scaled it internationally to to many more countries. Uh, Series A was raised and you moved to the US. It's just, yeah, really, really exciting journey, especially when you're like, you know, 27, 28. So you moved when you were 28 to the US to set up a, Office in New York. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, besides work, uh, how did your life look like? Uh, yeah. Did you have a girlfriend? Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, um, so I guess two different girlfriends in my uh, in, inside of time. Um, um, and then, you know, with my uh, current uh, girlfriend, um, we actually moved together to New York which was a yeah, fantastic experience. And luckily she was also working at a company that uh, made it easy to transfer to New York because otherwise it's really difficult to kind of bring your partner as well because you know, either you need to get married or you know, some company needs, needs to sponsor a visa. But in this case, the company that she was working for was willing to do that. So that was great. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, living in New York was just a fantastic experience. I mean, it's just uh, that first year just you know, outside of work just feels like a big holiday, right? Where you're just, you know, exploring everything. Like, you know, normally you go on holiday and you want to explore everything. And now you're living in a big city where there's so much to do that, you know, you can probably you have, you know, even if you even if you spend a year there, you probably haven't seen everything that you're 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 able to see. And it also gave us an opportunity to see more of America, you know, California, the South. We went to kind of the northeastern part to Canada and things like that. So it's just a really, yeah, really great adventure. One, you know, professional adventure to set something up from scratch in like a completely new market with completely new circumstances as well other competitors, you know, a different uh, customer profile that you would go after, a different type of uh, people that are part of the team. I mean, yeah, Americans in many ways are different than Europeans, obviously. Um, and then outside of that, it was also just, you know, so that gave me a lot of energy, but then also outside of work gave me a lot of energy as well, because yeah, just the energy that you feel in that city is just, yeah, fantastic, 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's so cool that basically that you did not know where you signed up for when you joined the SaaS sales world, that uh, you kickstarted your career basically, and uh, you, you gained some yeah, international experience. Uh, yeah, besides that, if I look at your career, uh, you started as a BDR, uh, moved into sales manager, VP sales, eventually a CRO of a US, a US company. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now you start your own company. Yeah. So, so cool. So cool to, uh, to learn from your uh, growth journey. So uh, with that experience, um, uh, with that experience at multiple companies, do you have tips for BDRs that, uh, that join a company, first step in their career, not happy, not making sales? Um, I find it hard to experience that strong, high potential people uh, stop after one bad experience. Yeah. Do you have tips what BDRs can do if the first step in their career does not work out. Yeah, yeah. No, it is, it's it's tough, uh, like I said, and, and this is now like 15 years later, but I still remember those weeks where I felt like, okay, this sucks. Like other people are more successful than me and I want to be as successful as that as well. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things that I think that you need to do. I think one very important thing is you need to kind of, 
create a plan, you know, maybe together with your manager, if you have a good manager, how do we kind of get out of this and not make it like very complex, but like what are the one or two things that we need to do now that will make the biggest impact? And I think when you're early on in your career, there's probably 10 or 15 things that you can improve on, maybe even more. But what are the one or two things that, you know, will make such a big impact that, you know, automatically results will kind of come in? And that could, you know, that could be around activity, but it could also be like, you know, um, the way you build rapport with prospects or, you know, the way that you do your messaging or maybe try a different way of reaching out to prospects or are you targeting the right people and the right accounts, whatever it is. There's always like something that's going on that's maybe not necessarily going that well. And then consistently, you know, try to improve on that. Like, okay, if this is, these are the one or two things that I need to improve on, you know, really commit to that as well. And consistently over a couple of weeks or even a couple of months, implement that. And, you know, at, at some point the results should, I wouldn't say automatically, but should definitely follow. And yeah, I, I think the other thing to realize is, and, and I've kind of realized that now as well, is that, you know, motivation kind of comes and goes. Y you can't really influence it that much. Like sometimes you're just really motivated and eager and sometimes you're not. But I think that the, the one thing that you can really influence is like, okay, am I, what are my daily habits? You know, as a BDR, uh, at least I'm going to make sure that I reach out to X amount of people or, you know, have X amount of really good phone conversations or, um, you know, uh, do X amount of like new tests with my messaging every week. Whatever it is, you know, just be very consistent with that because at the end of the day, um, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of BDRs across the world that are successful and it's... it's uh, you know, it's sort of like a science, I guess, right? You know, there's just certain things that, you know, you can do or you need to do in order to be successful in that role. So it's all about just figuring out what are those things for me to be successful in that role. And it's just, yeah, it's just a journey to kind of understand that. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's just important. Just realize like you can really be successful in this role, but you just need to figure out how that is and and get help with that as well. And yeah, what I'm seeing now more and more, which is great, and you already see it a lot in the, in the US, but it's all these kind of like communities, right? You know, there's there's like the SDR newsletter, there's like BDR summits and BDR meetups. You know, there's probably like previous BDRs in, in your current organization that are successful. There's probably like AEs in your organization that were a BDR before. What can you learn from them on, in terms of how they become successful? It doesn't necessarily mean that you will be successful then as well, but at least you can try and see whatever they did, if that will work for you as well. Nice, great tips. So after uh, 15 years of SaaS sales experience and uh, having had several roles in the industry, uh, yeah, you started your own company, mm -hmm. Frank. Yep. At the moment, you are, are raising two small kids. Yeah. <laughs> great timing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're 100% right. Um, I, I, and, and I've thought about it for a long time, right? So um, I, I think I've always had this desire to be an entrepreneur uh, or to at least give that a chance and see if it can, you know, build something from scratch, which is anyway something that I really enjoy also in those previous roles uh, inside it, Folion, I wouldn't say it was scratch, but you know, it was relatively, especially where they are now today, it's really kind of, you know, early stages. Um, and I think I've, you know, I've always had that desire. So, you know, my uh, my education was like small business and retail management was focused a lot on like entrepreneurship as well. Uh, you know, I told you the story about like, you know, selling my mom's old stuff in front of the supermarket. You know, that's also that, that entrepreneurial spirit that I think I had. And I just, I think I just never really dared to do that in the past 15 years. You know, you know, my career was going quite well. And, you know, I, I always had like maybe an excuse, okay, it's not the right timing or I don't have a good idea or whatever it is. And yeah, now recently, basically at the start of this year, I really thought about it and like, okay, what am I going to do next? And um, I, I, at some point I made the decision to, you know, to, to most likely leave where I was, you know, working uh, at the time. And I thought like, okay, am I, you know, going to do like, another VP of sales or CRO role somewhere, which is definitely really exciting and interesting, but you know, it will likely be a commit of another three, four, five, six plus years, or is now maybe the right time to give this a try. 
And yeah, whether it's the right timing or not, I think, you know, maybe it never is. I'm also curious to hear your story because obviously you, you know, you did it with Flatan as well. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure you had your doubts as well at the time. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's a situation where you have two young kids. Uh, you know, you have, we actually have a double mortgage now because, you know, we're waiting for a new house to come up. Um, so a lot of like expenses and you're looking for security, but I'm also still looking for like energy and what gives me energy and what gives me excitement. And yeah, this is what really gave me a lot of excitement now. And, and I'm not necessarily a very impulsive person. So of course I'm, you know, really thinking things through like, okay, how much personal runway do I have and how am I going to combine this with like family life? And, you know, what is my girlfriend uh, currently doing and does it, you know, fit with her ambitions and things like that as well. And yeah, just thought about it for like two, three, four months, something like that. And yeah, just every time that I thought about it, I was reading books around like entrepreneurs and how they started their business from scratch. It just gave me so much energy and just decided like, okay, you know, fuck it. I just need to give this a try because otherwise I will probably regret it. And if it's not now, when is it then? Is it then when I'm like in my early forties and maybe you could still do it. But, you know, to some extent, maybe it already feels kind of late to now do it when I'm, when I'm 37. Um, so I thought like, okay, you know, let's give it a try now and see if we can, you know, build something out of this. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I kind of got to that decision, I guess. Yeah, nice. So it was kind of building up for three or four months. Yeah. But, but what was the moment that you really decided? Yeah, really good question. I think there's like two two moments i think um I'm, I'm not sure if 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 people know this but there's a paris-based company called um Lemlist, um and their founder wrote a book in uh, on how he started his business and scaled it to like uh, 50 million arr really good book it's called the 150 million exit i think it's called um really interesting book and it just describes you know the whole journey from starting it from scratch with like zero experience to building a company that was at some point valued at like 150 million and i think they're doing like 20 million arr now you know reading that book on a plane and i'm not sure where i was flying from maybe it was from us or whatever but i read that book and that just gave me a lot of like goosebumps and energy and then i had a couple of conversations with other people as well and you know they also asked me like really good questions around like okay but what are you feeling and 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 you know what what really drives you what gives you energy now and yeah i really thought like this gives me a lot of energy but it's also difficult at some point to kind of and that that's when you realize maybe in what a comfortable position you are to say goodbye to like I wouldn't say say goodbye to a career, but, you know, say goodbye maybe uh, for a little bit to that specific career, but also say goodbye to the security that you have around like salary and bonuses and things like that and working hours maybe even. Um, and, and you know, kind of knowing exactly what to do versus, you know, starting an own business. And now you're running into all kinds of situations where, you know, you have never really experienced before. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a really tough decision. And whenever I make like a tough decision, it just, you know, consumes my mind constantly. And I just knew at some point, like, okay, I just need to make a decision because it's just kind of getting ridiculous. Now I can, you know, probably think about this for another like two or three months, but I just need to make a decision now. And yeah, that's where I kind of make that decision and to do it. On the plane. Um, yeah, I think that was definitely one of those like moments where I felt like, okay, I need to do this. And how did the conversation go with your girlfriend? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it for, I mean, for months, obviously, as well. Um, and uh, no, she, she's really supportive and, uh, and, and really excited about that idea. Um, so uh, it was a relatively easy conversation. Of course, we had a lot of like conversations around like, okay, how we're going to do it in terms of costs and, and income and things like that. And you know, just kind of came up with like a, um, a plan for that. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a, 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 a one moment where you say, okay, it's now we're now going to do it. It's more like a gradual moment towards that decision where you finally make the decision like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do that. Yeah, with a double mortgage and two kids. <laughs> yeah, <so don't>... Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you started for 24K uh, per year at uh, Meltwater. Yeah. And uh, just to to give aspiring uh, <laughs> SaaS salespeople an insight of salaries that you were on at uh, at your last company before you co-founded, uh, sorry, you founded yeah. uh, Frank. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was um, it was close to 400k, including bonuses. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think I heard that correctly. So you started, <laughs> <laughs> you started your career at 24k annually. Yeah. 15 years later, uh, over 400k uh, total compensation. Yeah. Should that also be a reason to uh, <laughs> go into SaaS sales? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's important for you, absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, um, uh, you know, I, maybe some people do, but I, I can't imagine you have a lifestyle where you need 400k. So that that's also important. It's nice, but. Yeah, what it essentially meant, I was just saving a lot, right? So that also allows me now to kind of take this journey with Frank and start my own company because I have those savings. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I think there's a decent amount of people that also get into sales simply because they enjoy it. They enjoy doing it. Um, uh, they are very um, performance focused. But they also enjoy the benefits that come with it, like, you know, the monetary benefits, the status maybe that comes with it. You know, there's a lot of companies that do like um, uh, president club trips and things like that. So, yeah, th that is uh, that is not for everybody, but I can definitely imagine for like aspiring salespeople or early in your career that that is something that you want to do. So, yeah, it, it, it's a matter of flavor, yeah. what route you want to take. Yeah. But interesting. Uh, yeah, hearing that financial journey uh, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, you're five months in yeah. as an entrepreneur in the SaaS world. Uh, what are the initial uh, challenges uh, you are facing? Yeah, it's interesting because um, it's uh, it's basically kind of going back uh, to a certain extent to what I did when I was 22, um, building target account lists, uh, figuring out what is my ideal customer profile, um, booking meetings, uh, having introductory conversations with people, uh, tweak, uh, tweaking my pitch, uh, you know, trying to provide value to potential customers and things like that. So um, it, it's a lot of like going back to the basics, I guess. And um, yeah, I think with like any company that's probably starting, you just, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, what problems am I exactly solving? And how I'm going to solve these problems for these companies. I think that's that's the essence of building a business. Um, and what, then, what, uh, what are those uh, for Frank? Yeah, I, I mean, the problem that I always saw as like a VP of sales or a CRO, especially when you have a larger team and you're not necessarily in every deal anymore. I think as a sales manager, when you have like two or three salespersons, salespeople in your team, especially with later stage deals, you're always involved. So you understand why you're winning a deal or why you're losing a deal. Um, but I'm speaking to many like VPs of sales, CCOs, CROs that you know have teams of like 30, 40, 50, up to 100 people. And for them, it's a challenge and for their company it's a challenge to really understand like, okay, why are we losing certain sales opportunities or why are we losing even certain customers in terms of churn? Um, the information, if you, if you want to answer that question, the information that you typically have is in the CRM where it's like a drop down menu with like maybe eight options that was in there uh, that was selected by the sales rep. And, you know, maybe a short note that, uh, you know, gives a little bit more context around like why you picked that closed loss reason or that churn reason. Um, but if you want to do an analysis and really understand like, okay, what are like the top three or four things, why we're losing deals or why we're losing first specific competitors or why we're losing in specific new markets or in specific segments, that is not enough information. Um, and uh, that pivotal moment for me was actually my last company where, you know, obviously the past couple of years have been a little bit more difficult for, you know, SaaS companies. And we were seeing quite a lot of churn and we just had no idea why we're doubling churn all of a sudden. And uh, also, you know, the information that we got from like the CRM or from the reps was also very unclear. So we decided to actually just start a, set up like a win-loss program and really understand by speaking directly to buyers why they made the decision that they did and what were the key reasons for them to make that decision. And that just led to a lot of like interesting insights into like um, 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 product, uh, sales performance, um, in terms of like marketing and positioning and messaging, but also a lot of like competitive intelligence, like, you know, why are we losing deals versus our main competitor? What are the key reasons for that? And that's when I thought like, okay, if my company is struggling with this, then a lot of other companies are probably kind of in the same boat. 
So a lot of conversations in my network and yeah, indeed, like a, a large part of them said like, yeah, this is like a blind spot for us and we just don't know and would like to understand better. Uh, so that was also, of course, part of that decision to kind of start Frank where I thought like, okay, um, you know, that also gave me the confidence that, you know, potentially this could be something. You basically experienced that a lot of sales leaders had that same problem yeah. of the black box of lost opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and and how is it uh, going now for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still early days. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's now three and a half months. Um, and there's really two things that I'm mainly focusing on is one, um, uh, getting uh, companies to experience what it is that I can do for them as a company. And two, when they commit to doing that, just making them very successful and giving them the insights that they feel like, okay, this is super valuable. We can't do without this. So those on a high level, really the two things that, that I'm focusing on. But yeah, it goes with ups and downs. Like, um, you know, uh, when you're a VP of sales or a chief revenue officer and you see like a new meeting coming in from a BDR, you're happy. Uh, but when you're a founder of a company, you see that first meeting coming in, you're jumping up and down the room again, <laughs> like you're, you know, like it's your first uh, meeting that you booked as a BDR again. So yeah, it's also that energy and that excitement that, uh, yeah, th that, that is really cool. And those are then the highs or, or, you know, getting your first like pilot or your first trial or, um, you know, um, whatever it is, whatever small success it is that gets you very excited. But then there's a lot of lows as well. Like, you know, people not responding to your messaging or people saying uh, this is not interesting at all or we're doing something already like this or um, just not getting enough traction or uh, in my situations like the, the prospects or the customers of my customers not responding to my messaging because I'm also dependent on them to have, you know, interviews with me to understand like, okay, why did they make the decision that they make? It's tweaking messaging again. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's a lot of experimentation again. Um, so yeah, wh whenever people say like entrepreneurship, and I'm, I'm sure you, you know this as well, is a roller coaster. And I always thought it like a cliche, but it is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, the roller coaster doesn't get me sick again. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. it just goes up and down, but I'm used to it uh, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. And I guess I'm not necessarily <laughs> used to that yet. <laughs> Because, you know, as, as a VP of sales, I wouldn't say it's steady. There's ups and downs as well. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the waves are less big, basically. But yeah. as an entrepreneur, it feels like it's really big waves. Like it's, it's because, yeah, also at this phase, you know, you're trying to prove if this works or not. And you want it to work. And so it almost feels like it's your your child, race, basically, that you're raising. Your third child. Yeah, your third child. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and now you're basically all the roles in one, your yeah. BDR, your sales manager, your VP sales, yeah. client manager, all in one. Yeah. That, that, that's, so this is your final destination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, you know, also, you know, things that I'm, I really have to um, develop myself in, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always worked close with like marketing leaders or marketing teams, but now you have to do it yourself. Yeah. You know, what are you doing in terms of marketing? What decisions are you making? You know, what experiments are you running? I remember doing like, uh, you know, a Google Ads experience, uh, experiment to kind of see, okay, will this deliver any, you know, in interesting inbound? didn't really happen and you know it spent like uh, two three thousand uh, euros on like uh, google ads in like a period of like six weeks and i thought like okay we need to stop this because it's delivering zero results and no I'm, I'm going to a couple events now in the coming months you know to try to experiment like hey is this working and you know could this be uh, a good way to kind of you know get in front of my audience and have really good quality conversations around this so yeah, it's uh, it's it's a and, and and maybe you know that's also one of the reasons that I decided to do this, where I felt like okay, um, you know I need maybe something new to kind of develop myself again and a new challenge and a new trigger. And even though it's sometimes really frustrating, um, you know when you kind of go across that hurdle and you understand new things that are working again, it's also really exciting again. And uh, cool, yeah, f very excited to hear all these uh, these things, uh, Martijn. How did uh, having kids impact your work-life balance? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, good question. I, I always thought um, it, it wouldn't necessarily, but I, I definitely think it does. Um, you know, I, I think when you when you get kids and um, you know you also have a full-time job, you know, 
when you don't have kids, you, you still have a lot of free time. Like even though it might not necessarily feel like that, you know, every evening you can kind of decide whatever you want to do and during the weekends as well. That's not the case with kids anymore because they consume your time, which is great. It gives me a lot of energy and it's a lot of fun to do. But yeah, they also consume your time. So you have less and less time for yourself. Um, and yeah, I, I think in terms of work-life balance, you, you know, during the day can just really focus on work. But I want to, you know, 90 or 95% of the time, I want to be at home when my kids are home at well. So I don't want to do much work things, especially, you know, may, when it's necessary, obviously I will do that, but I will try to kind of plan around that. You know, they typically go to bed at like seven or 7.30. So then afterwards, you know, I still have like two, two and a half hours where I can spend on work stuff and things like that. So yeah, it's really kind of just planning around that a little bit or, you know, doing some work whenever, you know, they're sleeping during the weekend, you know, maybe yeah. they're taking a nap from like one to three or something where you pick up your laptop and you do some stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's whatever you prioritize. But for me, I really want to, you know, be, really be involved and, you know, be there when they're at home as well. Um, so yeah, for me, it's then kind of, you know, planning around that a little bit, but yeah, as a result of that, you have less and less time to really have time for yourself. So you really start to appreciate those moments when, um, you know, you go out for dinner with, with your girlfriend or your partner or, um, you know, with friends or whatever it is, but yeah, those, those definitely become a little bit more scarce, I guess. So, so now you made the decision, uh, to become an entrepreneur, um, what would you advice to aspiring uh, entrepreneurs yeah yeah interesting question um it's um I, I i can imagine and it's funny uh, you know kind of making my own decision around this you hear how many other people are actually thinking about maybe doing something for themselves as well but you know it's um i think a lot of people might want to do this but don't necessarily take the step for like a lot of different reasons and every situation is different. I mean, just look at, you know, your and mine situation. I'm, I'm, you know, probably like 10 years later starting my entrepreneurial journey versus you. And you had different challenges to think of when you started and maybe different doubts than I have nowadays. But so, so there will always be doubts, but just, you know, for your personal situation, can you find a way where instead of thinking, you know, all of the things that might go wrong and why it wouldn't work, you know, what are some of the things that, why it would actually work and what type of feeling and excitement and energy and proud pride would that give me basically so it's always you know i think and maybe this is me as a person but i'm always also thinking about the worst case scenario but i also think about like a best case scenario like mm -hmm. if i succeed with this you know what would be so great about this and what what type of impact would that make on me and how i feel about these things so i think that's very important um, and I guess the second thing is maybe a very practical thing, but you know, there's already a lot of things that you can do during your working career to kind of find out like, okay, is this potentially a path for me? You can speak, you know, let's say you have an idea, you can speak to, you know, your potential market, your potential audience or your prospects already. Kind of what I did as well at some point. Like I was having like, uh, you know, I was having like a drink with uh, like a VP of sales or like a big uh, Amsterdam uh, SaaS company to kind of understand, hey, this pain that I had and this pain that I'm seeing, are you having that pain as well? And how important is it for you to kind of solve that problem? And and what would what what type of impact would that make on a business? And you, know, you can already have like ten or fifteen of those chats to give you even more security that this is your idea, something that might work. And then I think the third thing, also very practical, and that's why I kind of chose this route. I see Frank eventually as like a, a SaaS company and where I think a lot of technology can help with whatever it is that I'm trying to solve uh, for companies. Um, but I've deliberately started uh, as a service business because it's just a very easy way to start, low cost. I mean, my business costs are, are quite low, basically. Um, low? Um, just a couple of hundred euros per month. Yeah. Um, and, and then the biggest expense is actually the co-working space that, that I'm paying for. So it, it's just a very um, low cost, quick way to start, to have conversations around this proposition. And of course, you know, your idea needs to be 
a decent fit for like a service model as well. But the downside of a service model is typically it's not very scalable. Yeah. Uh, but at this stage, it doesn't really matter. You know, just have conversations with people and try to prove value to them, even, even if it means that it requires a lot of like manual work. If you look at the manual work that I'm doing now for my customers, it's like, it's crazy. But it allows me to quickly understand what works, what doesn't work. It allows me to quickly test things um, in a very low cost and very efficient way versus what is the other route that I'm sometimes seeing, which I think, yeah, you're making a really big bet. You're trying to find a technical co-founder or maybe you're trying to build like an MVP product. And I, I, I know people that do that and it just costs like, you know, 100, 200, 300K to build just in like a, an MVP type of product. And then, you know, then they go to market and then they realize that, okay, you know, my, my audience might be expecting something else. And, you know, they need to make like tweaks in their platform again. And then, and then they go to market again. And yeah, I just think it's very important to just really quickly test your proposition in the market and see if you can get some customers on board where you can deliver a lot of value uh, but for you, it's just a low cost way and a quick and efficient way. And that's kind of my mindset now as well. You know, I've got important goals for myself in that first year. If I don't achieve those goals, yeah, maybe it's not, it's a business that doesn't have a lot of potential, but at least I figured it out quite quickly in, in an efficient way. A very good test, test year for you. Th that's it basically. Yeah. But there uh, are great tips, not only looking at what can go wrong, but, uh, what would be the situation? How would life look like? When you succeed, yeah. that's a very uh, nice way to look at it. Yeah, and uh, also, yeah, while you're still in your job, uh, try to speak to as many, yeah, ICP clients, yeah. <laughs> prospects yeah. in that sense, uh, to validate your idea. So uh, that is also a great software. Yeah, mindset. and I don't want to promote during doing that during work hours. <laughs> obviously, I mean that's that's your own responsibility. But you can still meet up with people for lunch or you know just quickly after work or whatever it is. So. In, in my first weeks before I made that final decision, I just, you know, I also had a goal for myself. Okay, I want to speak to three people that, you know, probably will fit my target mm -hmm. audience to understand. I was just inviting them for lunch or for a coffee or for a drink or whatever it was. And that really helped shaping the direction that I wanted to take. Uh, great. Yeah, I, I loved the conversation uh, with you, uh, Martijn. Uh, it's been an incredible journey of uh, discovery today. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing your personal story in uh, SaaS Unscripted. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much as well. It was a great experience. First time experience for me as well, but I uh, really enjoyed it. So thanks so much. Yeah, lovely to hear that. Thanks for joining us on SaaS Unscripted. To explore the latest career opportunities, visit our website, noblerecruitment.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave your review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time on SaaS Unscripted.